Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to a uh, slightly voice-strained uh, edition of Storm King's Teddy. Uh, session, what are we on, Cat? 19? Um, 20? Yes. Was it 20? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Normally, you keep track of it, but you know <clears throat> questions, so... Sorry. I, I guess that's on me now. <clears throat> nah, I'm uh, still recovering somewhat from a really nasty head cold, which is why um, this wasn't really um, put out before. <clears throat> you had to wait on my voice to halfway recover. Although, I don't know why, because uh, I wasn't at the session. You took 23 pages of notes. And mm-hmm. um, so, uh, it looks like, uh, it looks like there was a lot of goings on, maybe a little bit of combat. And, um, but, um, uh, I missed the session because I was traveling and traveled out to see you. Indeed you did. Yeah. We finally got to meet up in person. Yeah. So been gaming together for over three years and, uh, finally decided to put a face with a disembodied voice. Um, yep. and, um, Thanksgiving seemed like a, a good time to do it. Um, had a phenomenally relaxing drive both ways. Uh, so, uh, but I, so it was, uh, just over a thousand miles each way and, uh, killed off three audiobooks on the way. So, um, wow. it was great. I, I loved it. Um, I could, I don't say I want to do it every weekend, but I, I think I could do it every month. <laughs> uh, that's a lot of driving. I love windshield time. If it's, especially if it's relaxing like that. Uh, but man, it was good to finally meet you. Yeah. Likewise. Um, we did, I took you all around town and yeah. even went down to the Capitol and everything. And we just did everything under the sun. So, um, yeah, the, uh, so highlights for me, um, other than getting to meet you was, uh, some of the best sushi I've ever had. Okay. That was really, really good. Um, I thought the Mexican was pedestrian. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Um, and, uh, but the sushi was phenomenal. Uh, the, uh, Brazilian steakhouse was very good. Uh, mile high comics. Oh, holy crap. When we, <laughs> yeah, was- uh, we went, went into Denver and got to, it was, literally a professional basketball arena sized warehouse full of nothing but comics and manga and statues and all kinds of memorabilia. So yeah, it was my first time in there as well. And a coworker of mine that recommended it to me, um, because her son goes there all the time. They're like, Hey, if you're into comics or, and all that other stuff, you know, hit up mile high comics. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Whatever. You know, um, I'm not the biggest comic book fan, but I'm sure I'll find something there. And like, I, I swear when you and I both walked in, we both just went, Whoa, it was pretty unbelievable. So it looks a little ramshackle in there, but there is miles of stuff. Uh, just an incredible what they have. Uh, so you collect pops, right? Yes. And what did they have? Three aisles worth of those things. Yeah. They had a very good selection. Oh, it's amazing. So, and not to mention, like, you, I think you took a picture of it. They had like quarter of a million of backlogged 
hard copy yeah, comics. Graphic novel. That was just their graphic novel selection. Oh, the graphic novels, yeah. Yeah, and then, yeah, it was, yeah, the individual. But I even found some old ElfQuest stuff that um, I had missing from my collection. So, uh, worthwhile. I'd, I'd bought comics from them online before, but never, um, never had been close enough to, to go. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, the hockey game was good. Um, got to see a fight. That's always, a, that's always a plus. Um, and, um, so I gotta say, <laughs> uh, the ax throwing was a highlight for me. That was I, a ball. <laughs> I agree. I like when I first went into there and I'm like, oh, we're going to throw some axes. I'm like, you know, that alone sounds fun to do. But man, when you're actually like in in the little area they give you and you're throwing axes at like a wooden board, dartboard, oh, that's so much fun. It was, And so we were like, well, you were asking me, uh, do we want to do like 15 minutes or a half hour? I'm like, yeah, let's do a half hour. He came around, told us our half hours up. Like you got to be shitting me! It yeah. like went by instantly. Yeah, the first thirty minutes was just—I swear, time was just flying. But yeah, I, I didn't know how long I wanted to go, so I'm like, let's get a feel for it, and like, let's do fifteen, thirty minutes, and you opted for a thirty, and then we just the second the thirty minutes was up, we're like, we're doing another thirty. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I, honestly, I probably could have stayed there another half hour, but uh, we were getting close to running you out of D and D time, so. Um, it was, it, that was a lot of fun and it was appropriately named the axe and ale because of course, you know, having beer while you're throwing hatchets around is the best thing to do. Yeah. Um, my, my hometown is widely known for breweries and microbreweries yeah. and everything under the sun. So yeah, axe and ale, you know, if you're ever in town, throw some axes <laughs> and drink a beer. Um, uh, that was, that was a ball. And I have to say. Um, of all the games we played, uh, most of the, most of the time we just played like 21, you had to hit it exactly. And, um, uh, I think that was their version of quote unquote cornhole. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, um, you were, you smoked me. I think I only won two games and one of those games I only won because you were so focused on trying to hit that eight spot that you weren't paying yeah. attention to my score. <laughs> No, yeah, I I was hyper focused on hitting like a like a fist size target on the dartboard, and it was get you get a points if you nail it, and I was just super hyper focused on landing it there that I didn't realize you kept getting threes and fours and threes and fours, and then by the time you're like you won, I'm like you won, I'm like I only got four points. <laughs> so, but that was I, although I have to say I was finding my stride at the end of that hour. Yes, uh, you were. So you were doing great. So the, uh, the last, I, I bet the first 10 minutes, I barely sunk an ax in that board. They'd all ricochet or hit the floor or whatever. And, but I finally started getting better at it. And in that last, what we had five or six minutes left we were, all right, nothing but the blue spot, that, that eight spot. And I hit in that five minutes, I hit three and I think you only hit one. Yeah, I I wasn't doing all too well, but you were you were heating up towards the end. And then I then I called my shot. That was totally Babe Ruth. I'm like, all right, oh, here's a bullseye yeah. for my very last throw, and I hit it. So yeah, that was a great way to end it out. Just calling <laughs> out a bullseye and just being like, all right, that's the end of the day. So that was a hell of a lot of fun, man. Uh, so, 
and then uh, made it back to your place for D&D while I slept because I was on the road again at one thirty the next morning. So, um, yeah, that was, that was a great time. So, uh, anytime, uh, I can reciprocate and you want to come out and see me, doors always open. So, um, I won't get too much into it, but I heard on the radio, Metallica is doing a world, uh, like a world tour, whatever. Yeah. 2024. They're going to, they're going up to your neck of the woods. Uh, Chicago, St. Louis, Indy, Chicago. Yeah. Uh, that might be oh. worth going to see. Yeah, I'll hit you up with details uh, after the podcast. But All right. Yeah, I'm, that I might be planning on making a trip out there just for that. Yeah, that sounds like a good time. Um, yeah, we could definitely do something like that. So, um, all right, um, enough about that. Let's uh, let's get into the review of the session. All right. So, um, as previously mentioned, you were out. Um, literally clocked out for the night so you missed a last session um i took notes like my life depended on me (laughs) like any little detail that was mentioned i wrote it down because i didn't want to just take like generic notes like oh we went to last chance um then we did the quest then we left last chance end of session you know i didn't want to have like just broad notes so like literally even like down to the RPing of people between um conversations or like just RPing in general I wrote it down um so pardon me if this is going to be a very lengthy one or if you're going to get tired of hearing my voice by the end of this or whatever but I'm just going to read off my bullet point notes or whatever um they're not going to go it's not going to go super in depth or at least I hope it doesn't go in depth. I think towards this like after break I kind of like shortened up a quite a bit of things. Um but you know almost everything that happened has been written down. All right. Um well I've read through some of the notes. It looks like there was a, a lot of RP stuff, so uh get us started. Okay, so it um the session previously ended with us in a big old house party because we defended Stormreach proper and went to all the districts and even helped out some of the Stormlords and everything. So this is just kind of the aftermath of everything that happened, you know, the next morning preparations for going out on our journey, you know, stuff like that. So um, Teddy said that it was fairly well known that any major parties that go on for a long time just kind of migrate and move over to the Lassatea house and just kind of continue over there. So when the party died down at Spare Parts, it moved over there, and that's where um, the party just kept on going, and the rest of us just, you know, got our night's sleep, had to roll con saves the next morning because of drinking and partying and whatever, and various things happened to people. Um, I'll also note that it was... At the start of the session, it was myself, Prue, and Portia. Um, Lars and Winifred, or Mask, uh, came in later in the session. They had um, previous engagements. I think it was work-related to where they showed up a little later in the session. And then, obviously, you were gone. So there, we had half a party for, I think, about 30 minutes. Um, uh... Uh, that's skipping ahead. Okay, so we had con saves the next morning. Um, I we started with me, uh, Tabane. Um, 
I think I rolled um, like a 20 or something, um, well enough to beat the DC, I believe. So uh, I equated it to all the previous times I drunk and got hungover and wasn't really doing all well to where this time I was not really hungover, but, you know, I can remember what happened last night, you know, didn't have that bad of a headache. Um, I was the first to wake up. I didn't really know what to do. Um, Teddy said like a bunch of people with prestidigitation kind of like cleaned up on their way out. So there wasn't like a huge mess on like, you know what? I don't want to leave spare parts. I don't want to leave Porsche's home in a mess. Um, so I'm just going to kind of like clean up and like, you know, wash some dishes or like grab some dishes or rinse out mugs. You know, I'm, I didn't really know what to do. So I'm like, I'm just going to clean up around and not leave this place a mess. Um, so um, that's what I did. Crew was next. Um, it said that she, I think she passed her DC, her constitution save, or DC as well, but she woke up with a noticeable hangover. She was on the roof and was missing a bullet in her gun. I think she can carry four before she has to reload, so she only had three bullets in her gun. So there are some implications that maybe a round was fired in a, late in the night, and no one know, really knows what happened. <laughs> so Interesting. Yeah, there wasn't much else on that. Um, but Prue does a gun check, you know, make sure everything's in ship shape, it's not broken or damaged or whatever. Um, it wasn't loaded, but it was very, very clean, and it had two lipstick marks on her gun. Uh, interesting. Where? I don't think it was asked where. So, <laughs> uh, I saw this, in, I think, what was it? was it the movie tombstone where uh, there was an opium den and uh, one person was breathing in and then breathing out through the barrel of a gun. And the other person was uh, on the, on the muzzle of the gun breathing in like a pipe. That's why I asked. No, um, I assumed it was like on the stock of the gun. Okay. Or, like, maybe the body. Um, I don't know. It was never asked where the lipstick marks were because I think everyone, including Prue, was just like, okay, so <laughs> that's a thing. I'm not going to question it and just move on from there. Um, so then Prue heads downstairs to go make the infamous High Wind Hangover Cure, which is a mug of bone broth filled with very spicy chilies and a very tiny splash of alcohol um which i thought was odd because you know well i didn't think it was odd but you know first first thing in the morning prue usually goes for coffee so she grabbed her high wind hangover cure first and i'm just looked at her and like no coffee and she's like i need to get this done first i'm like all right um and then poor it comes to porsche's turn um on her con save uh, she wakes up in her room. Um, she is very disorientated, not wondering if it's hers or not, or where she is, because her her bed feels warmer and like cozier than normal. Um, turns out she had some cuddle buddies from the previous night. Um, that them being Varen Lassite and his wife. Um, you know, Teddy said that they probably fell asleep around umpteenth round in the night. Um, 
She woke up very happy, but also with a level of exhaustion. And then um, Portia, you know, gives them both a kiss and then heads downstairs to make the Belloc hangover cure. Um, It was at this point. God, I need to stop saying that. Uh, At this point, um, Portia did not look like herself. She didn't have her glasses on. She didn't have her hair up in her twin buns or anything. Um, it was dis- Portia described herself as she was in a t-shirt and shorts with her hair down and her glasses off. And um, on her shirt was the words, Tev lives. Um, I'll get to that in a moment. Um, spoiler, it's not, it's not important to our campaign. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's an inside joke for everyone else. So okay. I didn't, I didn't get it, but everyone else was laughing about it. So Portia comes walking in and to the kitchen and there's Tavanay and Prue and Teddy des- and Teddy describes um or since Portia described herself this way Teddy was just like all right so this random drow you've never met before just walks into the kitchen um and then uh Prue makes a intelligence or uh, sorry not intelligence insight insight or investigation one of the two i think it was insight check um, and she rolled well enough to notice that it was Portia. Um, so that immediately was just like, whoa, like, interesting. Haven't seen Portia like this before, but you know what? It's her house, her rules, you know. She can rock out with whatever she wants. It's just odd to, it was just odd to, like, see her like this. Because, you know, if, like, you see someone a certain way, you kind of get used to the way they look. But she goes into the cabinet um and looks for certain items but the first cabinet she opened um was sacks upon sacks of potatoes <laughs> and, and then promptly closed it and was just like nope not having any of that uh sorry but she sorry but about she the did, go ahead what she did grab was an onion and an orange she peeled the orange and peeled a layer off the onion, uh, onion of the onion and took a bite, like a whole big bite out of each. And that was her hangover cure. Hmm. Okay. Um, then there was a knock on the kitchen window, uh, and it was a big blue eyeball peering inside. It was harsh neg. Um, he was judging over what Portia just did about eating an onion and an orange together. And he's also very kind of impatient, like asking us when we're going to be ready. When are we going to leave on our adventure? You know, like he's just sitting out, hanging outside, um, just doing his thing. Uh, Portia's like, this is like a judgment free zone. This is her house or rules. Um, you know, it doesn't matter that she looks this way or whatever or she's eating weird combinations of food and it's like just we're going on an adventure you know and she had a crazy night um Lars was passed out in the library with a book sprawled out over him um and mask it, he came to spare parts but he was over in the harbor district with Belmare overseeing um the operation to make sure our adventure went off without a hitch. Uh, you, Keelan, were was asleep in the camper. 
Um, <laughs> Teddy said you just picked a bunk and chose it and stayed in the camper. That becomes important later. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so going back um, to the Tev Lives shirt, um, that is Prue, um, our Prue's. That's her other Eberron character. So apparently uh. she has another Eberron character. His name is Tev. Um, don't understand the lives part, but <laughs> that was an inside joke between them all. So, you know, they had a good laugh about it. Um, but, you know, since Prue knows about Tev out of character or whatever, since she it is her character, she made a comment to Portia saying, oh, like, or Prue was just like looking at Portia like inquisitively, like with a raised eyebrow or whatever. Um, and then Portia's just like, are you looking at my tits or whatever? And she's like, like, what are you staring at? And Prue's just like, no, nothing. It's just, I'm looking at your shirt or whatever. And then Prue's just like, whatever. And just went off to, uh, go take a shower. Um, so that's kind of what some people are doing in the morning. There was also a mention I don't know how we got to this topic, but there's also a mention of a local cat um, community, not me, um, like (laughs) the animal cat, um, that Portia took in at a long, long time ago. And he was even mentioned that some of the cats have prosthetics and whatnot. So, you know, a little more um, backstory for Portia that she's got a sweet spot for uh, cats. Um, then we get to Portia makes some coffee. She brings up, uh, some coffee to the Lassites still asleep in her room. Um, she hops back in bed with them, trying not to wake them up. Um, and I think, uh, she has, when they do wake up, they go at it for another round, risking another point of exhaustion. Uh, she had to make, she had to make a a con save or something like that and passed. So it was fine. Um, but you know, they eventually, uh, woke up, you know, she got a kiss on each side of her cheek, um, from both of them. And then, um, and then they just kind of, they have a little bit of dialogue. It's kind of like they were saying goodbye because, you know, Portia's going on this adventure. Um, while, while the little sauciness was going hot on and the level of exhaustion, the implications of what was going on. Um, Teddy said that Tabane and Prue had an inkling of what was going on up there, but you know, it wasn't quite a hundred percent guarantee, but, um, uh, Varen, you know, he, he said he was happy that it all happened. Um, because in, I guess in a previous moment, he drunkenly confessed to Portia, and he felt like it was wrong or at some point because, you know, it wasn't like his, it was how he felt, but it, he, I don't know. It was, it was something weird uh, happened between them about a confession, but, you know, now that they've all been together. Done um, the deed. All, yeah. They, they all feel like their, their weight's been lifted off their shoulders and, you know, it feels like the air, the air is clear and like everything's fine. Um, and so that happens. And then the both of them, Varen and his wife, you know, grab their clothes and scurry out a window and leave. 
Um, now um, enters in Lars, um, Lars proper. Um, he uh, got to join in on the session. Um, and he wakes up in the library. He finds a gold handkerchief in his hand, and it strongly smells like a uh, Dagger's perfume. <laughs> okay. Um, he then rolled a D four, and I assumed it was probably to because he Teddy then asks, "Is like okay, what are you doing? Uh, what are you going to go do now in the morning um, after leaving the library?" And you know, Lars is just like, I, "I don't know. I'll just wander the house." So he rolled a D four, and I assumed it was to see which person he runs into um, at random. Well, he ran into Prue, um, like right after Prue got out of the shower. Um, so we also got to see, well, we didn't, but it was described to us. Lars got to see what Prue looks like in her non-natural habitat looking look. Um, she was fresh out of the shower. Her hair was down. It was wet. Um, I don't know how Prue has her hair normally, but it was supposed to be similar to, um, Portia where, you know, this isn't what we I normally look like. Um so there was that. Um and then then Prue and her coffee was came out because after she had her shower and her, her hangover cure, she was like coffee, I need coffee, and then went straight over to the kitchen to get some coffee. Um Lars is feeling a little hungover, so he's like, Alright, coffee sounds good. I'll go make some get some coffee for himself. And he also felt like Lars said he was like, he wants coffee and like something greasy, something like hearty and, and whatever. Um, so he goes to look for ingredients and he finds in the trash can of all places, he finds an onion and an orange with a bite taken out of it. Uh, the hangover cure. Okay. Yep. Um, he doesn't do anything. He just kind of, looks at us like at Tabane and Prue and he's like, you know, what, what's with this? Um, I believe it was implied that, um, Dab Shaba was watching us and she got curious to what Portia was doing and tried it herself, but I guess didn't like it and then threw it away. And then we just kind of was like, all right. And then Lars is like, must be in the trash for a reason. And then throw it back in the trash. Not thinking most, most of it. Um, and then he begins to make breakfast for everyone, you know, bacon, eggs, pancakes, whatever, um, French toast personally for myself, but that wasn't made. That's hoarding in on my gig now. <laughs> yeah. Well, you weren't there, but it's fine. Um, so then Teddy comes back and he's like, Hey, um, what is everyone else doing? He's just, you know, kind of running the rounds of like, hey, all right, so this happened, this happened, this happened. What's happening now with everyone? Still had no idea what to do. So I'm like, if Lars is awake, I'll go to the Church of Danes with him. If he's still asleep, then I'll just go down in the, to, the, to, the, to the training room. So Tavane went down to the training room. Um, it was cut to Gilda and Tavane talking about um, sparring with the Mecha Chimera. Um, Gilda's really proud of it. I guess she's put some work into it um, since she's gotten it and was really, really, really wanting me to spar with it. And I'm like, yeah, I fought it once, but, you know, I'm spilling some breakfast upstairs, so I'll give you a rain trek. And I'm like, I don't want to eat on an empty or I don't want to fight on an empty stomach. That just 
doesn't seem right. Good so out. Then I went, Good out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then Tabane went back upstairs, you know, to uh, get some breakfast. Um, and then Prue's passive perception, as always, great random events that happen because of her passive event uh, perception. She sees a pair of eyes that are trying to be stealthy uh, looking through the kitchen window. A pair of eyes were Dob Shadow and Riley. So Prue goes over, she cooks up some like bacon or just takes leftover food. Um, and she goes over to Dob Shadow and Riley with the, like some bacon or food in their hands. She tosses it off to Dob Shaba, giving it um giving it to Dob Shaba. Dob Shaba's like, yes, and runs away. And then it's like, we got what we wanted. And then but with Riley, she looked at Riley and she's just like, Are we gonna be good? Like, are we gonna be friends? Um and then <laughs> this was really funny with Riley, um, because Prue had to roll like an animal handling check or something, and I don't know if um, if she passed or failed, because um, Teddy doesn't say anything. Um, but she rolled with advantage because she had the food. But Teddy described it that Riley was like super well trained, like it's a mage bred uh, dog, and like he he stood there like a little toy soldier, stood firm, eyes were on her, the food or whatever, and there was like a staring contest on like between the two of like who's gonna break first and we're like riley like really wanted the food but like he really was trying to be a good dog um because he is a good dog yes (laughs) (laughs) but um in the end um riley broke first and he gave a very quiet but affirmative like a woo and then and then prue gives him the food and then they both stop job on riley both run away um Okay, so this is funny. Uh Lars is making breakfast and Teddy said there's three ways to make breakfast. Um or at least in this instance he said there's three ways to make breakfast. Um because Lars wanted to make it hangover friendly. I believe the three ways were heart, skill, and Knowledge. I I I could be wrong on that. I didn't write down. um, I didn't write down what the three were, but it was like three ways to cook food. And then Lars is like, "Well, obviously, you got to put your heart in the cooking." So he made a charisma save um, or charisma check or whatever, and he nailed it with like a twenty-five, and that's was like the determining factor of how good the breakfast was. Nice. Um, and then along after that, along comes in masks and he's like, Hey, we can leave whenever we want. Um, everything's ready. And then he leaves spare parts and he's just in and then out. Doesn't get any coffee. Doesn't get breakfast. Doesn't say hi or anything. He's just like, Hey, we can leave. And then him and Harshnag go back to the docks. Walks in time to go. Walks out. Yep. All right. That's pretty much how it was. Um, uh, and then there was a little bit of dialogue with Richter Scales and how uh, Richter Scales doesn't respond to his name yet. He mainly responds to like a series of whistles or um, he like answers to Buddy or like Pal or whatever. 
though um with time richter scales will learn his name but for right now he doesn't and then this was funny um Masker is just like he is like he doesn't need to know his name or like he'll learn his lane but for now all he needs to learn is the crack of the whip or the <laughs> crack of the reins or whatever and like that's what he'll listen to all right uh, um so then um Portia makes a call um to Tev um more inside jokes about Tev there was a little bit of RPing with Tev as well um didn't write down most of that because I didn't understand it, but you know, Tev is a thing. <laughs> we'll just kind of go from there. Okay. Uh, and then Prue calls her father. There was extensive dialogue between the two of them, um, but essentially it boiled down to was them saying goodbye. Um, they're going on a long journey. She doesn't want him to follow. He's not going to follow. It sounds like Baruch is going to be cracking the whip on a new batch of storm guard like he's going to train up some new recruits and whip them whip some guards into shape i need them after the assault yeah um there's still some guards during our fights that deserve names that's true that lived uh but most of them died yes uh and then after that everyone just kind of gets gets their belongings together and we just meet out front and head down over to the docks. That was pretty much the morning for um, the morning at Spare Parts. Uh, we head down over to the docks. There's no Stormlords to see us off. Uh, Gald is there to make... He's like running security, basically. Um, he's just intimidating, to be um, to be blunt. Uh-huh. And then the Magerite shows up. He, Teddy did an amazing little jingle rhyme about the, about the uh, Magerite. Um, I didn't catch his name, and I didn't get to type down the rhyme fast enough. Um, but it, I just want to say kudos to Teddy for coming up with that. I don't know if it was on the spot or if it was planned out. But he was just like, something, something something i i i couldn't i i trying to remember it i wouldn't do it justice but he did a good really good rhyme and then at the end of it he just flicked his hand or wand or whatever and shrunk richter scales and he also shrunk up the rv too this is where it comes uh, in. that's <laughs> yeah that's because that's it where comes. i am yep oh no um, um so out of character I think only half of the party knew that you were sleeping in the RV, but in character, no one really knew where you were. So when the RV shrunk, you got shrunk inside with it. So you guys were leaving oh. without me. <laughs> no, nobody just... knew where I was. <laughs> <laughs> I think no. I think um, no one didn't really want to like. Um, RP for you in your stead. No, it's fine. <laughs> but yeah, um, so when the RV shrunk up, uh, a tiny little Keelan popped out of a window, and you're like screaming at us, like, hey, what's going on? I'm still in here, whatever. Like, ah, like, why is this happening to me? And then the mage right is just like, hey, little lady, it's better if you stay in there until you can get bigger again. Um, so then you just shut the window, and I guess you went back to sleep. 
That's a sensible uh, thing. Yeah. Uh, Baruch is down at the docks because in Prue and Baruch's previous conversation, he wanted to see her off in person. So he came down to the docks. He says hi to us all. We reply back. Belmare from the ship says hi to us all. And she's like, hey, let's um, let's let's get on board and head on out. Excuse me. And um, this is where I did a little RPing as Tabane. Um, I will preface this little part um, before I say it is, yes, she has motion, motion sickness. Yes, she has motion sickness patches to negate the motion sickness. But it's no fun if she's always wearing it and I can't RP the motion sickness. Okay. Because we all could have just walked up the plank onto the boat and, you know, that was that, you know, nothing would have happened. But I'm like, no, I'm going to make this motion sickness a problem for everyone if I have to. (laughs) Well, in this Uh, case, it would have been appropriate. I mean, you were just coming off of a heavy night, too. Yes. (laughs) So I'm like, I'm going to I got something in mind. I'm going to concoct it. And when there's an opening, um and for us boarding the ship, I'm going to do it. Thankfully, there was an opening, and I did it. So what I did was um, I said as Tabane, I'm just like, you know, Tabane kind of waves hello to Belmare. You know, she she sees what's going on. She knows she's got to get on the boat. She doesn't want to. She's kind of like got her hands behind her back, looking down, like kicking a rock over here and there, and just kind of like doing anything and anything to not get on the boat but eventually you know she'll like get on the boat because you know you can't have everyone wait on her just because she doesn't want to get on a boat um but i said the second like the instant her foot touches that plank onto the boat she just drops down on all fours and pukes out the morning breakfast there you go (laughs) so that's what i did um had to do a con save i think i failed because it went through um and then and then i'm just like on all fours crawling up the plank onto the boat and i'm just like oh i don't really want to be here right now um prue and lars jumped in they're just like oh really tabane is like you did you forget to put on your patch um out of character i didn't but in character i did um and i'm just like yeah i forgot i think it's in the front pocket of my backpack or something or whatever and i was like i'm sorry um because i wanted to rp this moment damn it (laughs) and i did um so then teddy was just like okay so all that happens and then here's some deck hand um he's got a peg leg and an eye patch and whatever, and he walks over to you guys, and then he gets down on all fours and eats the puke. Nice. That Tabane just threw up. That's an Ozzy Osbourne moment right there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then I was just like, okay, even I am gonna get sick from that because that's just gross. So I'm like, hey Teddy, can is there a save I can do um, to not just throw up again after watching this guy eat the puke that I just threw up? And he said, yes, this time it's a wisdom save. Um, I critted and automatically passed. And he's, Teddy was just like, all right, you see this guy coming towards you. He gets on all fours and you have a very good inkling of what's about to happen. And you look away. <laughs> and then once that was done, uh, Teddy gave me an inspiration for doing the RP, which is great. 
love it when he can get an inspiration. I already had one, so I didn't need it. But hey, <laughs> I I saw an RP moment and I took it. Uh, and then we all board the ship. Uh, do 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 do. So we're coming up close to the halfway mark because I can see it in my notes. Um, Belmare then shows us to our quarters in the Silver Wind. Um, I think it's there's only like three bunk beds or something like that, or not bunk beds. There's only like three beds. It was described to where we're gonna have to double up on sleeping arrangements. Um, for a bed. Okay. Um, immediately. Portia and Prue buddied up, um, and no one else really chose a thing because it hadn't really come into into practice yet. But we're gonna have to choose who to partner up with um, at night for our sleeping arrangements. And then once that's done, Belmare's just like, "All right, so where's our heading? Like, where are we heading off to?" And immediately, <laughs> immediately, Winifred just goes, "Adventure." <laughs> Uh, uh, it was really funny because she's like, hey, where are we going? He's just like, we're adventuring. And like, okay. Well, at least it but wasn't the second start of the left. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, <laughs> and I don't have to worry about a, a bed partner. I have the whole RV to myself. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Okay. Um, but then Prue's just like, okay, yeah. We can tell you're excited. Um, but we uh, we should probably head to Last Chance, um, and do the Wailing Hill Giant side quest there from Lady Curious. Uh, so we went off, uh, departed. Um, everyone's fine except Habane. She's in a bed, you know, trying to ride out the waves. Um, sick patch applied, or the motion sickness of patch applied this time. Boo. Um. And it was said that Last Chance isn't really a port city, or it doesn't even have a port at all. So we would have to have the Silver Wind dock a mile or so out um, offshore, and we would have to rowboat our way um, into town. Uh, that's uh, fair. Um, we leave a little bit after noon. It's clear and sunny. Um, two hours past. Um, we go. Um, we go on rowboat. Um, I have to make another con save to make sure I'm feeling okay on the rowboat. I pass. Um, or I feel something. I'm, I, I feel okay. You know, it's nothing serious. And then Harshnag comes over and he's like, hey, should I come with you guys? Uh, Prue's like, eh, 50-50. She's like, I, he could come with us, but he can't. Or if he doesn't, it's not a big deal. Uh, I believe Portia and Winifred both say something along the lines of, like, maybe it's not a good idea to have him come with us um, because of, like, giant politics or whatever. So it might not be the best idea if we're trying to help a giant and we bring a giant with us. Hmm. Um, because in Last Chance is still, like, the very edge of the Traveler's Curse. So we don't need a, a guide quite yet. But... I didn't know any better, and I'm just... I didn't think about the politics and didn't know any better. I'm just like, fuck it. Have Harshnag with us in a town we've never been before? Yeah, I'll bring him with us. 
And that's what happened. He just, once he heard a yes, he's just like, all right. And then he jumps off the boat and swims off to shore. And, um, very, very headstrong. Um, and I think he said, like, uh, Teddy said that the, uh, water was like waist high for Harshnag. Well, that's not much of a swim. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So after that, um, we make land. We uh, were given machetes for um, to because this is like the jungle now to chop down vines and weeds and whatever in our path. Because I said we literally have to cut our way or cut a path towards last chance. Um, and he asked for a marching order. And the second he asked for a marching order, Portia was just like, "I'm taking point." <laughs> I was a little concerned. I think Prue was too, but no one really debated it and just went, okay. And so the lightly armored she, artificer takes point. Yep. So all right. she took point and I was, I said like, Hey, all right, well, if Porsche's taking point, um, I'll either be a second, uh, right behind her or I'll take up dead last. Um, just to have some variety. Uh, I thought you were with us, but I mean, you, you were with us, but for the terms of, uh, gameplay mechanics, like if you happened, um, to join, like if the session ended right then and there, and this was our marching order, Teddy said you were shrunken in someone's pocket. So if you could join next session and this is where we left off, you would just unshrink out of someone's pocket and join us. Okay. Um, but the session didn't end there, so it didn't come up. Um, so I thought you were with us, but you were actually sh- shrunk in someone's pocket. But the marching order was Portia, Tabane, Lars, Mask, and Prue, with Harshnag taking up the rear rear. Um, so then we get into uh, Last Chance. Uh, it's um, Teddy described them as a bunch of rice patties, which I think are like little farm farm squares. Um, and it's very heavy on halflings and last chance. There's some other, uh, races as well, but it's mostly primarily halflings. Um, there's not much trade. We're confronted by like a, a local. Um, I figured him, he was kind of like hillbilly, like, you know, he was, he was talking to us with like an accent and he was working in the fields and then he like came up to talk to us and he was like, seeing what we were here for and whatever. Um, Harshnag stood out, obviously, because he's a giant, but it wasn't, he didn't stand out or cause any problems for us. And then Prue speaks up to this halfling kid that came up to us, and she's like, hey, we're here about the giant problem. Portia's like, yeah, we heard um, it, that we heard like this place gets cries after that. Or uh, it has, there's crying near this place, and the halfling's like, yep, yep, we get the crying, and you'll probably hear it pretty soon. Um, And then we reached halftime. Halftime in the session. And I swear to you, this was probably like the best halfway break in a session, is because I had to pee so badly. Like, when Teddy's like, all right, we're breaking, I threw my headset off and I ran to the bathroom because I'm like, I gotta go. Well, this had to be bad because it made your notes. 
Yeah, it did. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Um, it was all that alcohol that I had in the morning. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so then break happens. We come back. Crew wants to hit up the local Dragon Inn uh, for some information. Uh, Lars goes with her because Prue's like, hey, I want to get information, but I'm not all that. I'm not a people person or like, I'm not, I don't want to talk to people. I just kind of want to like have other people or just, I just kind of want to get information. So Lars is like, yeah, I'll go with you. Teddy asks what everyone else doing. No, again, no fucking clue what to do. So I'm like, I'm going to patrol the perimeter because it's a scary place and I don't know what's here. So that's what Tabane did was patrolling the perimeter. Um, uh, so they, Prue and Lars, both enter, um, and it's like a halfling dance. They, you know, everyone's happy and jumping around or whatever. There's drinking or whatever, and um, they get pulled over to the dance floor. Prue's like, no, 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 I'm not getting pulled. I'm not dancing. No one's touching me. So she has to make a deck save and pass. Uh, Lars is just like, Ooh, and just gets pulled into the dance floor, and you know, everything goes happen. Um, Prue has to roll for an investigation. She crits her investigation roll. Uh, and Teddy's like, all right, you got five. You get five questions to ask someone. And you get a little tidbit of gossip on top of it. So the gossip was there's an old tower that used to be a drought outpost. It was taken by pirates at a later date and then abandoned. Um, they're pretty sure that's the source of the whaling. Uh, they possibly think it's crying and sometimes singing, but it doesn't sound good. It sounds like sorrowy. Uh, no one knows giant that well, and the giant accent is strong. Um, it's said that it seems kind of like love lost. Um, people have been sent to the tower to investigate, but rocks were thrown at them, and there were blood talons who attacked them as well. And most of the the people going out there never came back. Blood talons. Yes. What are those? They're like hawks. Very violent, hostile hawks. Okay. Um, They're a flying avian creature. Okay. Uh, And it was also mentioned that there is a treasure treasure chest buried in or around the tower by a previous adventurer that died before he could come back and claim it. Also, Uh, by the way, I'm adding Sorrowy to my lexicon okay (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so prue doesn't ask her five questions because she kind of gets her questions in like the first couple uh so she asks about the whaling um when the whaling started in directions to the tower they said it was about a month ago and she was even given a map a map to the tower but it was written on in like a napkin uh she asks about any like local giant problems they in the in the for last chance um the guy says yes there's local jung- jungle giants uh by the name of chief gua um uh they come seeking tribute every often but since you know the i guess since the queen died or the ordaining broke or whatever um i guess they've been too busy to collect the tribute so they haven't bothered them in a while and then she asks if the tower is still abandoned um, and they're like, yeah, the tower's been abandoned, and, and it's been abandoned, like, longer than, like, Last Chance was even settled or whatever. 
or at least that person who's been in the last chance has been. Uh, so Prue's just like, all right, that's pretty much all I need to know. She heads on out. She tries to extract Lars from the dance floor. Um, and But she said, like, if, if it looks like she's about to be pulled into the dance floor and do some dancing, she's just going to leave Lars to the to the halflings and just leave them there and just, like, get them at a later date. But it's fine. She goes over to Lars and she's like, all right, deputy, you know, let's leave. I got my information or I got what I needed. We need to go. Um, it's time to leave. And Lars is just like, oh, captain, yes. Uh, thanks for getting me out of this situation or whatever. Um, and they both leave. Um, it, and then Lars looks back. He sees a couple halflings that like faint and like they were like swooning over him. They're like, oh, he's so hot. And it's just like, oh, there was even like a halfling teasing about teasing a, a him about like taking her back to her bedroom or whatever. So, you know, Lars kind of like made an impact on them. So then um we find Mask and Harshnag waiting outside on the main road towards our destination. Um there's two children asking them questions repeatedly and it was just like, "Hey, how like did you always used to be that big? No. Uh did you used to be his size? Yes. How when were you when you were his size? Very young. You know, it was kind of like that. Like very annoying children and like short answers. <laughs> okay. Uh the kids were very annoying. Um Crew comes to the rescue again to save Mask and Harshnag. She pulls out um um she pulls out her badge and she's like, Hey, do you know what this is? And they looked at her and they're like, no, I don't know what this is. Um, and then she's like, I'm a police officer. And like, you kind of like need to leave these people alone. Or like, do you know what a police officer is? And the kids are like, yeah, they're the bad guys. And then kicked her in the shins and ran away. All right. Yeah. So I, there's a whole encounter with the, the kids there. Uh, Portia made a deal with a local farmer to send over some food back to spare parts, food specifically that Gilda likes. Um, she also makes a history check about the tower to see if it was if it was actually previously owned by Drows. Um, and it was, but Teddy said there was some lore about it. I didn't have time to write everything, but he said it's it was made by Drows, but it's more of a relic now than it is an outpost. A relic of like the last war. So then we're done in last chance. Uh night comes, the whaling begins, we head to the uh we head towards the north the noise, sorry. Um and it was pointed out that it's very pitch black and dark. So Teddy was like, Alright, for those of you who don't have night vision, are you lighting any torches or lamps? Well at this point Everyone has night vision. Even Winifred has his goggles of night vision. So I think it's just Har- Harshnag who doesn't have night vision or dark vision, rather. So Portia's like, hey, um, on our trip, like on the Silver Wind or like whenever I had time, could I have made goggles of the night for Harshnag to have dark vision? And Teddy's like, yeah, he could have done that. So now Harshnag has the goggles of the night. So he also has dark vision. So everyone in the party has dark vision. We don't really got to worry about torches i don't think or light all that much um 
but we see the tower we see four blood blood hawks i'm just gonna call them hawks from now on because i don't remember what um what they're actually called but i know they're blood something okay. but they're hawks um and then prue she casts a really cool spell didn't catch the name of it because i'm trying to type notes um but essentially what it does is it gives us a plus 10 to any dice roll. Um, mm. And I, I think it could be applied to attacks or damage or I, wow. I don't know. But it was just like whatever your next dice roll is, it's plus 10. It's the die plus 10. So we used it to, for stealth. <laughs> uh, yeah, stealth with a heavily armored character. That went well. Um, well. At least you had plus 10. Yeah, but it was a group check, so it wasn't it wasn't like I was carrying down the party. Uh, so then we get up to the tower. There's um, We still hear the wailing. There's a giant rock in front of the way. Um, Harshnag just... He wants to kill this giant and get it over with and move on. But Portia's like, no, we're going to do this diplomatically. We, I'd rather talk than fight right now. Like, see see what she has to offer. Um, Prue doesn't join the party. She kind of, like, skirts along the outside, scouting and, like, keeping to stealth. Um, kind of being, like, an overwatch for us. Uh, she finds a number of ways inside, you know, like, hand crevices, like a broken window. Like, if we had a grapple hook, we probably could have done that. You know, there was... A bunch of ways to get into the tower. Um, but then Portia is like, "All right, whoever speaks giant, um, translate for me or just talk to her." So um, we talk to the giant. The giant's just like, "Why are you here? Are you here to make fun of me?" Um, and it's Mask who knows giant. Um, so he's talking or translating for us. He has to make a persuasion check with advantage. Um, he rolls a 19 and passes, so the giant doesn't immediately attack us, but she does inform us that essentially someone stole her man, and that's why she's sad and crying and wailing. But the conversation we're having with the giant uh, tracks the hawks, and combat starts. Uh. So this in- this was a little... Um, interesting combat. Um, the and we all rolled initiative. Turn order was Mask, one of the Hawks, Harshnag, Tabane, Portia, another Hawk, Lars, Prue, and the final two Hawks. But we had like a time limit on this one. We had five rounds to kill four Hawks before Moog, which was the Wailing Giant. That's her name. Um, before she freaks out and becomes hostile towards us. Interesting. Yeah. So, I I, I think... Why was she going we, to be hostile? I don't know why she was going to be hostile, but I think the encounter was meant for us to maybe not talk to her and just kill the giant outright, because there's a lot of things going towards the way of her being hostile rather than cooperating with us. But anyways, um, Mask doesn't do anything. He holds an action. Um, He holds a 
a ranged pistol action for to shoot a bird that comes within five feet of an ally, and he gives prue advantage to on um on a hawk. Um, his action, and then the next the next um the next turn goes. It's a, it's the hawk. Um, the hawk comes in within five feet of himself, so his action doesn't go off because he'd have disadvantage or he can't shoot within five feet. Uh, he can't do a range attack within five feet. So the hawk comes up to him, does six damage. Harshnag moves over. He swings at a hawk, kills it instantly. I'm assuming they have a very small HP pool. Uh, so then it was my turn, kind of hoping to kill two ta- two hawks with two Eldritch Blasts because, <laughs> you know, I get a D10 plus four and I'm like, Hey, you know that's probably enough to kill a hawk. Two um, birds with one tabernacle. I, yeah, I <laughs> landed both eldritch blasts, eldritch blasts, but I min rolled on my first damage roll, so I only did five HP or oh, five damage. Sad and I'm like, well, shit. Now I gotta use the second eldritch blast on the same hawk just to kill it and get it out of the turn order, and then I kill it right there. Portia moves up. She holds a melee attack for a hawk that comes within range. Um, I probably should have said this earlier, but they were 40 feet in the air, so they weren't on the ground. They were flying in the air coming towards us. And then Lars, the mad lad bastard, uh, (laughs) he moves up towards the hawks and he's like, hey, this is probably a waste of a spell slot, but I'm going to fireball. Huh? He fireballs two (laughs) hawks. Fried chicken. Yes, fried chicken. <laughs> what uh, I was just like, why? I, <laughs> I mean, didn't realize was, he had a fireball. I didn't either. He's, he just went up and he's like, this is probably a waste of a spell slot, but I'm going to fireball. And I was like, whoa. It's pretty okay. interesting. Uh, you do you, man. So he fireballed and didn't even matter if the, if the Hawks did their save or not because they just would have died straight outright from the fireball so he essentially killed them and cooked them fried chicken but the moog the the hill giant sees this and uh, lars has to make a persuasion check um for her not to freak out and come hostile because she saw a giant ball of fire coming towards her and then he passes uh, with a 27. So she's like, oh, okay. Um, I guess that's not for me. And then the battle ended right then and there. You know, boom, bang, boom. Fireball so you think ended. we were supposed okay. to fight her as well? I think we were supposed to fight her, but I don't know. Okay. But the battle ends. Uh, Moog comes down. She invites us in. Um, she doesn't look all that well. Like, she's wearing ragged leathers. Um, she's got tear stains on her eyes and like snot rolling down from all the crying. Um, I'll try and skip over this, this part. Um, or I won't, I won't completely skip over, but I'll try and keep it shorter. Uh, she asked why we're here. Uh, this is apparently her new home. She's willing to talk to us because of the, the Hawks, um, Lars fireballed. So she's eating those while talking to us. She sees Lars. She's like, hey, I like the sound of his voice. I want you to sing for us. He has to do a performance check. He passes with a 20. Um, Harshnag and I think Mask are on the same page. And they're like, we should just kill her. Like, why are we talking to her? Why are we trying to do 
trying to negotiate or whatever, figure out what she wants. We should just kill her and get this over with. Um, Moog continues to complain about um, her man being stolen, and it was said that Chief Gua uh, stole her man. So uh, Lars, I think, jokingly said, like, hey, you want us to kill her? Uh, you know, like that one scene from The Water Boy where the girls are like in the windows, <laughs> like, you want me to kill them? Um, that was a yeah. great scene. Yeah. Oh. But Moog is just like, well, Chief Gua is very big, very strong. Um, uh, she She's hesitant to trust us because of the whole recent events about how the small folk killed the queen. Portia speaks up and says that maybe um, she, Moog, should go and live um, in Stormreach at the Tents of Rushime. Um She had to do a persuasion trick, rolled a 15. Don't know if she passed or failed. Uh, it wasn't said, and it sounded like I guess she passed, um, or she might have failed. But Mooga is just like I don't want to leave unless my her man is with her. Her man's name is Hrook or something like that. Um, but she said, "Is if we go save him at whatever location it was, I I didn't catch the location uh, that." She will be she'll be willing to go to the tents and um and you know live her life out in Stormreach with her man. Um and then something I I this was a long conversation, so I didn't catch most of everything, but something came up to where she was like she was going to eat, as in like food, eat the people of Stormreach, and we all thought she said meat, as in, like, I'm going to see someone. So there was some little clarification. I was like, oh, no, you you just want to go there to live. You're not there for food. So then Porsche has to do another persuasion check on to keep Moog from eating other people, and she crit passed. Um, and then that was pretty much at, uh, that. She then was ready to leave, but she's asking for our names, like, who are we? Lars says he's Lars. Um, Mask says he's Lars. And then I'm just like, I'm Spartacus too. But I'm like, I'm Lars with a Z. Uh, Is it all right if we just call you Brian? Huh? Is it all right if we just call you Brian? Yeah. It's a Monty Python thing. Go ahead. Yeah. And then Portia says her name's Tia. Harshnag says he's Harshnag. Moog is like, oh, I've heard that name. Are you the Harshnag of blah, 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 blah. And Harshnag's like, yes. Um, Moog is just like, all right, I'm going to leave. Go to the tents now. Um, she picks up Portia and like hugs her. But Portia's like, no, 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 I, I don't do hugs. I Don't pick me up. Don't do that. Um, and then we were given the extension of the side quest to go to um, pretty further more inland like if you um i don't have the map pulled up on me but if the where the hydra is you want to go kind of like deep west and there's like a jungle giant encampment there with chief gua um so we all leave and 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 harshnag speaks up and he's like we probably should have killed her like this is more work for us than what it was worth (laughs) we've started a dating service yeah and then and he's like, now this is more work for what we've signed up for. We should have just killed her and left it at that. Mask is just like, yeah, I agree. This was stupid. And I didn't say it in character, but I too was agreeing. I'm like, all right, this we probably should have just killed her instead of 
whatever happened. Um, so Harshnag's like, I recognize the place um, where we're going to. Oh, I guess I have it right down in my notes. It's called Thargun Dock um, is where we're supposed to go. He says that uh, Chief Gua is very formidable and that if any of the hill giants were to contest for the ordning, um, as like the leader of the ordning for hill giants, is that many of the hill giants would follow her. But, you know, hill and jungle giants are pretty low in the ordning, so it's not like that actually would happen. But I think Teddy just explained that to saying like, hey, this isn't no pushover regular old hill giant. Like this is a proper, like this might actually be a fight fight. Well, uh, if it's a giant, it's probably going to be a fight fight. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so that's, that's, that part's taken care of. Um, and then we were about to leave, but then I mentioned in chat, I'm like, Hey, what about the buried treasure that was here? Let's look for that. Um, with the clues and the given to her with Prue, with the clues she was given, um, from the dragon in, she could roll an investigation check with advantage. She rolled 25, passed. We found it. Great. Awesome. It was very quick. But we found it, but it was locked. So Portia and Mask team up, giving either one advantage on their thieves tool check. I think it was given to Mask. He rolled 26, passed. Cool. Found the treasure. It's unlocked. And then Teddy asked myself and Prue to roll a d100. I'm assuming this is what for what was inside the chest. Uh, we rolled a 63. I rolled a 63 and Prue rolled a 12. Inside was 300 silver pieces. Like actual coins. Not uh, the notes. Coinage. Actual 300 silver coins. Alright. Uh, a potion of greater healing. And an old Volkuri-style bag of holding. It was, Teddy said this was like very old school, very... It was just ornate and whatever. Which, sad single tear out of Tabani's eye spending 500 gold on a bag of shitty bag of holding when, lo and behold, there was a bag of holding in the wild. <laughs> but uh, um, that eventually turned into um, Prue's bag of bullets is what I'm going to call it because now she's just going to put bullets in that bag and that's all that's ever going to be in it. Okay. Um, so Prue didn't want to take it at first because it's very old, dilapidated, and but Portia's was like, it's mad, it's a magical item. Like, despite how it looks, it's still a magical item. It'll be fine. It's not going to fall apart on you. Uh, and then Prue's just like, all right, well, I want to see if there's anything inside the bag of holding. Uh, very uh, good. Very so wise. Teddy's like, all right, roll another D100. Prue fucking crits and gets 100. Nice. And inside was a wand. Uh, Prue hands it over to Portia to do some investigation. Um, and the wand turns out to be a wand of secrets. I'll exp explain the description here. Uh, the wand has three charges. While holding it, you can use an action to expend one of its charges. And if a secret door or trap is within 30 feet of you, the wand pulses and points at one of the at one of those nearest to you. Nice. The wand regains one D3 expended charges daily at dawn. That's even better. So Portia's just like, hey, this is what it is. I don't want it. Who wants it? She holds it out. I think a solid like 30 seconds to a minute passed. No one spoke up. No one said anything. So, so I'm like, Tabane will take it. I'm like, 
I don't want it to go unattended, so like I don't necessarily want it myself, but Can I'll just take it, it for GP. So Tabane is the current holder of the Wand of Secrets. I, I'm assuming once you're back into session, I'll hand it over to you because that sounds more of like a item you would like. Uh, but can can you or I use it? I don't know if it needs to be attuned or not. Is it, if well, that's what you're asking? I'm I'm at, so um, like I don't know if this matters in fifth edition, but like if um, there was a um, magic wand, I don't th- like in second edition. I don't think like a fighter could just pick it up and start oh, slinging spells with it. Okay. Uh, now we, you're a partial caster. I'm a full caster. Maybe that makes it fine. Uh, maybe it doesn't even make any difference in this edition. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, and, and maybe this isn't like a class specific thing because it's seems like a specialized spell. Uh, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. That was, know. that was very brilliant to look inside the bag of holding for more treasure. Yeah. Um, so then uh Porsche's like, Hey, is there um is there any other giant activity around? Um she has to roll a survival check. Pretty sure this was a fail at an eleven, um, because Teddy said there's nothing of importance. Prue's just like, Hey, probably should go to the top of the tower and do a look up there. And Porsche's like, Yeah, I'll look and see if there's any like campfires or whatever to see I don't know exactly what she was looking for, but she wanted to see some campfires. Um, but Teddy then again said, like, hey, you see the like the lighthouse at Stormreach, or you see Last Chance, and there's a couple campfires here and there, but it's nothing crazy. Um, so that happened. And then we leave the dilapidated tower on our way back to Last Chance. Some of the elders in the population see us, and they're like, hey, good to see you. You're probably successful since you're returning back to us. Um, and, and, and we all had varying degrees of success. I'm like, well, was it successful? No. Did we just cause a problem for Stormreach and give one for ourselves? That was worse. Or should we have just killed her or whatever? So, so, so let me get this straight. She went ahead and left to go to Stormreach. Yeah. And, but we are now going to try and go find her husband or whatever. I believe so. Okay. All um, right. But they're like, hey, great. The whaling stopped. You accomplished our side quest or whatever. I don't know if that was like part one of two to side quests or whatever, because like, hey, we got the whaling done. So like, is our side quest complete? And now we're just doing going to go kill Chief Gua for extra loot or something. Um, well, the way things are going, we'll have to go on a quest for him to give up the guy or her to give up the guy or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, but they're like, they're like, hey, you're back. Have a warm bed. Have a meal. Uh, thanks for doing this. And we spend the night because it's pretty late at night. We spend the night, and in the next morning, we get back on our rowboats and head off to the Silver Wind. And that was session. Nice. Uh, you took a lot of notes. I told you I took notes like my life depended on it. <laughs> So do you have, uh, so you Eldritch Blasted. Oh, that's right. I did Eldritch Blast. Do you I have, told you earlier. do you have your numbers? No, because I'm like, I didn't Eldritch Blast. There was hardly any combat. Um, um I don't have the percentage. 
Okay. But I went from six, 14 to 16 hits and 5 misses. Four, you went from 14 to 16 hits. Yeah. And you've missed 5 times? Yeah. So you're just under 25%. Of missing? Right. Uh, uh, just under 25% missing. Yeah, so you're um, just over 75% hitting. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, but I feel this is something that's been on my mind recently is like for you with Toll the Dead, it's a wisdom save. So I feel like that percentage there is more accurate than having a save against an AC. Because essentially, if you're hitting an AC, it's either you hit or miss. Yep. Yes. Yes, there's higher ACs which make it harder and lower ACs that make it easier, but it's essentially hit or miss. Yep. It's not like I have 70% chance to hit this. I just happen to be hitting it 70% of the time. But the the flip side of that is uh, Wisdom is probably one of the hardest saves to make because I think there's tons of hardy creatures out there that have strength or constitution bonuses to their saves. Mm-hmm. Not so many for wisdom. So I should be... It should really be falling to the dice most of the time. And with a save DC of 16, or 15 or 16, if it's 15, I should be I should be landing that, you know, 60, 70% of the time, 75% of the time. And I am not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is kind of funny. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. So that's our, uh, Eldritch Blast update. Obviously no Toll the Dead update, so. No, and I wasn't in a position to do any melee. Yeah. Um, all right. Awesome. Anything else that we need to cover? No, that was about it. Pretty hefty, hearty one with a little bit of. IRL gossip in the top of the cast. Yeah. So, um, anyway, it was, uh, we stretched this one out to, uh, almost an hour and 20 minutes, but, uh, that was some awesome note taking. You ought to do that more often. (laughs) No, I don't (laughs) want to do it more often. (laughs) I mean, granted I was really honed in, but oh man, that took a lot out of me. All right, man. Well, uh, thanks for taking time out of your day to do this and have fun with your games tonight. We'll talk to you later. Bye.